Hey everyone, this is Heavy Lifting with Uncle Gary, the weekly podcast for a stronger biblical worldview, exclusively on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. So we are talking about chapters 5 and 6 in Paradise Restored. Uh, chapter 5 is called The Garden of the Lord, and it deals with animals, and it also deals with trees. And I, I suspect that chapter 6 will be the majority of where, of where we'll uh, focus the discussion, and that chapter is called The Garden and the Howling Wilderness. So in chapter 5, like I said, it's about the animals and trees. Uh, David Chilton talks about the importance of, of animals, but, um, you know, because the Bible's filled with, with references and, 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 and animals. So what, when you, when you think of animals in the Bible, what do you think of? Well, the first, of course, the first is the, the creation of animals. And one of the, the tasks that Adam is given, immediate tasks, is to name, name the animals. Yeah. And naming, naming in scripture is an, an aspect of, of, uh, of dominion, having dominion over. Right. And so Adam, by naming the animals, he gives them a name, and we don't know why he gave the names whatever he gave, but it probably was some related to something characteristic about those animals that, that he saw. God names, God names Adam, which puts him in the position of God, of course, having dominion over him. And so immediately the idea that, that Adam also names Eve, yeah, right, and uh, and at the same time she is a helper, help, help a mate, right. in the sense of help. Well, it's really help meet someone who's suitable, right? Because it wasn't good for man to right, be alone, and so forth. So, so the first, I mean, we find animals right at the start, not not independent of the created order and not independent of man. And and in and in the the created order itself, we're gonna you see that animals are uh, associated with human beings as as helpers as well. Yeah, and they're also they're also used symbolically. So so animals of of course one of the one of the primary um, uses of of animals is a sacrifice. Yeah, um, is a reminder that 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 there's a that there's a rupture that that, there, that there's a problem with man's relationship with God. Um, and and animals serve as that that intermediary. And clothing clothing Adam uh, and Eve, you needed an animal sacrifice. Was a sacrifice, in order to, to, yeah. you know, to do that. Yeah, God God takes coats of skin to to cover Adam and Eve um, to cover their 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 nakedness. Um, so so animals serve a very important point in Scripture. But uh, one of the things that that Chilton brings up is that there's in the in the cursed world. There's this this fear that the animals have a have a fear of of man. So in the in the garden, like you mentioned, Adam names the animals, and there's this um, seemingly symbiotic relationship between between Adam and the animals. But then when Adam and Eve are are, are, are tossed out of the garden and they're thrown into the wilderness, so to speak, um, there's now now the animals are somewhat to be feared because they yeah they, yeah the relationship to everything changes. Relationship right. to the created order changes. The thorns and thistles. Uh, you know the, the the created order itself kind of I don't want to say fights back because it doesn't it's not against humans in and of its of of, its, of itself, but now this toil and all this is going to take place. We begin to see that the you know the the, the serpent is uh, you know now a a, a nemesis uh, to, to 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 Adam and Eve. Uh, we're going to see that the 
well, later on we talk about beasts, yep. uh, representative of, of, of nations and their, and their power and their struggle. And yet at the same time, you find out in the, find in the book of Proverbs that animals are the, the, the positive relationship, you know, go to the ants. There's a lesson there for yeah, what they do. Right. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how, uh, how often you'll find animals being used in a, in a positive way in the way that God, God created them. Uh, and what the human, uh, our relationship should be to animals and, and learning from them. And, I, and my personal opinion is the animal creation is actually given to us uh, to help in, in recreation. For, in, for example, the, the Wright brothers uh, studied the, the wings of birds mm-hmm. because, you know, you would think it's just simply a flat surface right. gives you some lift. But looking at the bird's wing, they begin to see that shape the way it was. It gives much more sig- significant uh, lift. Um, so the the streamlined. If you look at older automobiles, especially the the Model T and the Model A, they were boxes. And over time, uh, the idea of aerodynamics comes right. in, and you look at study the dolphin. And birds and so forth, the smoother lines, and so all of these things, you know, God created. We use as tools for the advancement of, of our, our dominion over the world. Yeah. Um, so, in that, in in chapter five, David uh, also talks about about trees, and and specifically, um, not just in the in in the fact that trees give us give us shade, they give us beauty, you know, things to look at. Um, one of the one of the important things that that trees give us is food. Um, and uh, David says God imposed the curse of scarcity. So after the after they're, they're cast out of the garden, because remember there was in the garden trees were abundant and they were filled with fruit, right? And they could eat of of any tree except the one that that God commanded them not to eat from. So um, when they when they are tossed out of the garden, God imposed the curse of scarcity, and the major part of human labor became a search for food. He says the growth of culture is possible only when food is relatively abundant. God gives his people food in order to make, uh, in order to give them dominion. God wants us to get the picture in our minds of his people living in the midst of abundance, surrounded by the blessings of the garden as they are restored in salvation. So his, one of his points is that, you know, when you, when you don't have to worry about looking for food all day, then you can focus on, on, on taking dominion, on, on building a culture, on, on doing other things when, when food is relatively abundant. When food isn't abundant, then, then it, that becomes your, your, your primary search. Yeah, you're spending all your time, you know, all your time just trying to try to live, you know, from from sun up to you know to sundown. And then, of course, in the New Testament, you find where trees. Jesus alludes to trees. Uh, uh, you know, the you're known by your by your fruit, right? Uh, and uh, Jesus in in Matthew chapter 21 curses curses the fig tree, right. which is representative of the trees are oftentimes representative of of, of nations, peoples, and nations. And uh, I believe when Jesus curses the fig tree, that no fruit will will come on it is actually a reference uh, to Israel and what happens to Israel with the with the destruction of the temple uh, and the judgment upon Jerusalem that took place in in A.D. seventy, and that's the the fig tree in Matthew chapter twenty four. Um, so you 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 put all this stuff together, and of course at the very end of the book. Of, of revelation you see the restoration of the, the, right. tree, the tree of life yeah the and leaves so, are for the healing of the nations yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's uh so it's again it's it's symbolic, but it's all it's also very um very very practical. You know, God God didn't just make a symbolic world. God God made a world that's both symbolic and and practical. It's, it 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 provides us with the things that we need. And and one of the other you know kind of an interesting symbol that the tree gives life, but the tree is it was the it was the tree that Jesus was hung on. Uh, that the tree, you know, that this tr- this tree of life became at, at the start a tree of of death for Jesus, but mm-hmm. then import, imparted life to us. Yeah, uh, you have you have Aaron's you know almond rod that eventually budded, but that that rod came to life at in terms of God's provision in dealing with Pharaoh and and the the sorcerer high priests. So you run through all these motifs are constantly running through scripture and you pull them all together the the it's it's a warp and woof of biblical theology and this is the point that David Chilton is is making. Yeah. So that that's uh those are the two main points in chapter 5 um in chapter 6 which is entitled The Garden and the Howling Wilderness um David starts the chapter this way. Land is basic to dominion. Therefore, salvation involves a restoration to land and property. This is why biblical law is filled with references to property, law, and economics. And this is why the Reformation laid such stress on this world as well as the next. Man is not saved by being delivered out of his environment. Salvation does not rescue us from the material world, but from sin and from the effects of the curse. The biblical ideal is for every man to own property, a place where he can have dominion, and rule under God. Yeah, it's it's again the the land of Israel was was extremely important to own to own land. Everybody, every every tribe having its own tribal allotment. Uh, of course, the, the Levitical uh, the priesthood uh, they had Levitical cities th- throughout all of Israel, and they had a, a priestly function. Um, and so, uh, Israel is given the land to to take take the land, but their disobedience. What does God do? He takes, takes them out of the right. land and then puts them into foreign lands, and then God eventually brings them back. And in the, in the New Testament, the the land promise is expanded, where you and inher- you will inherit the earth, go into all the world and make make disciples of all the nations, which of course includes the land. So Israel's kind of down payment deposit of land extends. Far beyond what we find in in the uh, in, in the Old Testament to, to to go into all into all the world, and you have the Apostle Paul, of course, going to Rome and then planning to go to Spain. We know that the gospel went into the whole, in, into the whole world, and so the focus is on the deposit of the land that was given to Israel to now includes the entire earth. Right. Um, so he he says ungodly men want the blessings of the garden, but they attempt to possess them by unlawful means as Ahab did with Naboth's vineyard. Um, The Bible begins to develop a land versus wilderness theme in which the redeemed, obedient people of God are seen inheriting a land that is secure and bountiful, while the disobedient are cursed by being driven out into a wilderness. So we have the exact opposite today. We we want, um, or or modern modern Christianity thinks that, 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 that we should be out in the wilderness. You know, we should be escaping the world. We should be going away from it, leaving all the goods here. They're like, yeah, you guys, you guys, you guys keep this stuff. We we're gonna go out and pray. We're gonna go out in the, in, in the wilderness and hide. Which some people 
literally did. Yeah. You had pole sitters, you got you know, monasteries, uh, and you know this idea that somehow this world is 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 not good. Right. And and yet one of the first uh, uh, commendations that God gives to this world, everything God saw, everything He made, and it was good, and that right. included the land. And what and and when when the Egypt or uh, when the when the Israelites left Egypt, when there's the confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh. And finally, finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here, you know, go away. What, what did the Egyptians or what did the Israelites take with them? Well, they took this, they took this, this, the spoils from. They, they, they plunder all their stuff. Yeah, yeah. They, so God gives, gives his, his people the Egyptian stuff, the, the, the bounty, the loot, and they, and they, and they take it out in the wilderness and they, because of their disobedience and they have to wander around the wilderness for 40 years, but then God brings them into Brings them across the Jordan, and and they come into what, what the Bible calls the Promised Land, and and who's there in the Promised Land? Is it is it just a barren area? No, it's made up of these divergent, you know, uh, uh, nations, uh, Hittites and Jebusites, and and so ungodly forth. people yeah, yeah. that that had built cities, that had that had that had a culture of their own, but that but God says that's it, that's it's the land flowing with milk and honey, and that's where I'm that's where I'm taking you. It's a it's a place where you can you can just walk in and and once those people are 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 kicked out or are eradicated really then that's where you're going to live. Yeah, in fact, if you go but you look at Numbers thirteen and fourteen, God's you know the Joshua sends out these 12, 12 spies spy out the land and and by the way, if you look at Numbers thirteen, it's very clear that God's promise says this is the land I'm going to give to you. So the promise is already up front that the land is going to give to them. And this is the land flowing with milk and honey, as you mentioned. And they go out, the 12 spies go into the land, and they actually come back from the, with the fruit of the land. I mean, such abundance of fruit was, was unbelievable to them. And then and at the same time, there are these so-called giants in the land. And as a result, instead of, instead of following God's promises regarding the land, they decided that they were going to look at the, the obstacles to it all, and then they end up in the wilderness Still on land, but not very productive land right. for forty years. Yeah, exactly. David Chilton says we are pilgrims, not hobos. <laughs> a pilgrim has a home, a destination. In redemption, God saves us from our wanderings and gathers us into a land. Psalm one hundred seven verses one through nine. A scattered homeless people cannot have dominion. When the Puritans left England, they did not wander over the earth. God brought them into a land and made them rulers. And though the foundation they built has greatly eroded, it is still very much with us after 300 years. And I, I really think in the book of Hebrews, when it talks about pilgrims, is that that's an that's an allusion to the old, the old covenant. The destination destination we hadn't reached it yet. Right. Abraham saw the you know, day of the Lord and was 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 glad. He he was a pilgrim. You get into the New Testament during this transition period, there's still this pilgrim idea because the the Judaizers, the the, the persecution from that came from from unbelieving Jews and so forth, the church was still in kind of this pilgrim mode. But with the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70, that pilgrim motif and essentially changes that we're not we're not we're not just here. Uh, waiting for the next destination, we are here actually to apply 
what Jesus says in, in the Great Commission to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Right. So it's 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 the reverse of of what happened. So when when the Israelites left left Egypt, they, they had to, again they had to wander in the wilderness for forty years. They 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 come into a land that God says flowing with milk and honey. Um, now if you go if you go to the Middle East today, or or if you go to to that that part of the world today certainly doesn't seem to be flowing with milk and honey. It seems to be like a big, a, a big desert. I've, I, when I was in the Navy, I was, I was in, um, uh, the United Arab Emirates and it, it's like a giant ashtray. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why anybody would want to live. I just, I do not know why anybody would, I, of course you, they're just born there, but I, it, it's, it's hot. The wind is blowing it. The sand pelts you all. I, I just, I, I, I didn't understand it, but, but David says, like Sodom and Gomorrah, um, the area known as the Dead Sea is now called dead for a very good reason. Nothing can live in it. It is now the furthest thing imaginable from Eden, and it serves as a picture of the world after the curse. Eden has become wilderness. We must not look upon the world with eyes that only see the curse. We must look upon with the eyes of faith, enlightened by God's word, to see the world as the arena of his triumph. History does not end with the wilderness. World history will be, on a massive scale, that of Sodom, first a garden, lovely and fruitful, then corrupted into a wilderness of death through sin, finally restored by God's grace to its former Edenic abundance. Yeah, and look, if, if you're consistent with a Christian worldview, you can see the, the, the desert moves out of the way. You can see this in a place like Arizona. I remember this old, this old uh, Paul Harvey uh, uh, broadcast, and he was talking about the Phoenix area. Phoenix and Scottsdale, where people eventually ended up uh, moving there for retirement, kind of like Florida. And one of the reasons a lot of them moved there was because they had allergies, tree allergies and so forth. So they moved to Phoenix and they moved to Scottsdale. And And it becomes more lush. Because more lush because of all the greenery that's that's there. (laughs) Now you go there and it's it's still hot. Yeah. But it's it's been it's been transformed. Right. Um, and we've we've done that here in the United States as well because of this Dominion idea. You go to third world countries, th- th- they're still living like they lived almost in, in the time of the Old Testament, probably not even as good as they lived in the Old Testament. Um, there's no, there's no cultural uh, or ecological advancement at all. Yeah, and that's that's a point that, that he brings up in the beginning of this chapter. Um, freedom cannot be exported to a nation that has no marketplace for the gospel. So you know we've we've tried you know the the the, the George Bush eras where where we tried to um, you know give democracy or give democracy to Iraq and and all these you can't you you can't give it to a people that have no that have no concept of it they they have no con you know freedom freedom comes from Christ becoming a slave to Christ is true freedom and once you once you realize that it changes your outlook on everything but you can't you can't export that to somebody else yeah, and combined with paradise restored is it's the point that David Chilton makes in his book productive Christians in an age of guilt manipulators is why why are Western societies rich and why are other societies not and it's not because of natural resources I mean you know Japan, hardly has any natural resources, but after World War II, Japan adopted Western, Western ways of doing things and transformed J- Japan, where now, well, not so much anymore, that we were competing, think about that, the United States was competing with Japan over automobiles, yeah. and Japan didn't have 
the 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 iron ore to make make the steel and all the rest of it and uh, it's it's amazing when you follow God's prescriptions for things and the, of course the Japanese aren't aren't Christian but they followed Western ways of doing things you transform the world in which you live yeah um, so this is this is a a quote that I thought you would enjoy this is this is from the appendix of of the book but it's it's very it's very appropriate for um, for this conversation. David writes, once upon a time, a courtier must have assured a nervous pharaoh with these words. No self-respecting scholar who looks at world conditions and the accelerating decline of Hebrew influence agrees with Moses. So that, so he's, but that's the, that's the Christian attitude today is, is, is that, you know, we are, um, like you said, because of eschatology, because of, of, of all sorts of other factors, Christians have a very minimalistic and a short-term uh, outlook here. And and just like like David is 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 applying that that outlook to to uh, to these um, Egyptian scholars or these, these Egyptians courtiers who are who are who are telling Pharaohs like don't worry about this guy Moses you know his 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 little band of followers are going to go away soon yeah and you could say the same thing about the Roman Empire you imagine all the scholars the Roman scholars you know going up to the Caesars and saying hey look this vagabond guy named Jesus. These these twelve you know disciples, one of them even betrayed him. Um, and you think that they're going to be a problem in in the future? And you know, we my wife and I were in we were in Rome uh, back in in 2017. And you go to you go to Rome today, and it's a tourist attraction. Yeah, uh, it's it's in rubble. And, and we were in Greece as well. And there's these. We got tired of it after a while. All we were doing was seeing ruins. Yeah, but that, that was the point. The, these columns are toppled over and the arches are still there and all that. And you're taking pictures of it all. This was a vast civilization, far superior, you know, of any civilization at the, at the time. Uh, and, of course, then Rome supplants plants, um, uh, Greece. And yet this, they're tourist attractions right. today. Yeah. And Christianity did, in fact, has, in fact, conquered much of the world. And Christians need to get on board with it and understand that what was what happened before can happen again we've we've switched our worldview unfortunately and, and that's why paris paradise restored is so important because it helps you transform a depleted uh, 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 kind of destitute worldview in such a way uh, that your mind begins to think in paradise Type type ways rather than this idea that we we're living in a desert and that's our lot in life. Yeah, and and with this being, we're recording this on on March 18th. It's the day after we celebrated St. Patrick's Day, and typically St. Patrick's Day is all about you know, green beer, yeah. green rivers, green vomit after <laughs> drinking green beer. <laughs> um, but who who was St. Patrick? What you know where St. Patrick was born? No, he was born in Britain. He wasn't born in Ireland. He was a when he was sixteen or so he was he, he was captured by Irish Irish pirates and he was he was taken as a slave and sold to a druid priest in Ireland where where he spent about the next six years, um, but he was raised in a somewhat Christian family so he had a foundation for the gospel and he he under he began to understand his enslavement in Ireland as as God trying to get his attention, um, which which he did he eventually escapes. He, he he comes back he comes back to Britain but then he he's he be, he becomes a priest and the Pope at that time I can't remember who the who the who the Pope was in the I guess this would be the early fifth century no early sixth century in the five hundreds um, 
Patrick gets sent back to Ireland and he becomes a missionary and and starts starts doing what he can to convert the pagan culture, the 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 Celtic influence and everything that was that was in that was in Ireland at, at that time. And as the Roman Empire was collapsing on on the on the continent and its influence was was waning, a lot of the the the, the education, a lot of the learning, a lot of the the, the scriptures they were being preserved up in Ireland, so that when 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 Europe was ready, they were they were then back they were exported back from Ireland. So it took it took Saint Patrick with a with a mindset and a mission to 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 bring all this stuff and kind of store it and save it. He, I mean, it wasn't wasn't that wasn't his plan, but that was God's plan, using Saint Patrick as the as the catalyst for all this, preserving everything in Ireland and then and then re-exporting it back back to Europe. I mean that's you just you just never know what what God has in store, but but you need you need a long term mindset and you need a victory mindset. And that's again what American Vision is all about. Uh, we're we're trying to uh, reinvigorate this Christian worldview to get Christians prepared for what I believe is an inevitable collapse of secularism. It ha- it has to fail yeah. as it becomes more and more consistent with itself. You can't wait around for it to collapse. You need to be in the preparation stages. And that's why I wrote my the, the God and Government book. Uh, the government isn't synonymous with, with politics. Uh, um, politics is one aspect of, of government. And so you, in one of the previous talks about you've got to build from the bottom up. Yeah. And that's you know, that's 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 why we're here and doing what we're doing. Right. But but it's not just defensive, it's offensive too. It's 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 not just you know being being educated and being prepared for the inevitable collapse of of secularism. It's 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 hastening it in by making disciples of all yeah. nations and, and, I, and yeah, teaching and, them to. And I hope all what's happening today with this cancel culture idea, people are beginning to see. Oh well, w- w- we didn't see this coming. We should have, we should have been at the forefront of of transforming technology and, and and so forth right and now we're having to play catch up but a god i think like probably was saint patrick uh you know the the preparation you know is coming down the road and it's a lot easier to prepare today a lot of people think this cancel culture is, is going to shut everything down no it's going to it's going to force us to be more innovative and more determined in order right. to make these types of changes. Absolutely. So get your copy of Paradise Restored. Uh, again, today we talked about chapters five and six. And uh, Lord Lord willing, next next Friday there will be another episode where we'll talk about chapter seven and maybe seven or eight. But um, uh, Paradise Restored at AmericanVision.org, uh, written by David Shelton. It's a fantastic book. Get your copy and follow along with the podcast. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. For more information on Worldview Resources, visit AmericanVision.org. And don't forget to subscribe to the Gary DeMar podcast available on iTunes and Spotify. See you next week on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network.